if you're like me, at least once a year you sit down with your boss for a performance review. But here's a question you probably won't hear at your review this year. Are you willing to risk going to jail to continue in your current job? Today we'll meet Brother Joel, who's helping VOM distribute Bibles in every province of China. And every year when Joel sits down with each of his workers, he asks them that question, are you ready to go to jail for three years for distributing God's word? You'll hear how these brave gospel workers respond right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. We're in our studio today with Brother Joel. Brother Joel has spent years ministering in the country of China. Uh, Brother Joel, welcome to the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about China because, uh, you know, we hear different things. It's it's now free. There's no more persecution. Uh, we hear, hey, they're tearing the crosses down off of church buildings. It's more intense than it's been for several years. Where does the truth lie? Well, I think we need to understand that China is still a communist country. If anyone questions that, they can just look on the outside door of the People's Hall, and you can see that the flag and everything in China represents communism. But in terms of totalitarian aspect of communism, nothing has changed in China. Chinese people are not given human rights of any kind. That includes the freedom of assembly and the freedom of religion. So we can expect that not very much has really changed in China. The economy is much better. There have been economic changes. And with that, they're trying to create an atmosphere of entrepreneurship. So there have been more freedoms available. In general, I would say that we need to understand China by knowing that they have never repented of their totalitarian communist philosophy. Therefore, it goes in waves. There'll be a time where there's more freedom then after several months, there'll be crackdowns for a variety of reasons, and churches will still be raided, crosses will be destroyed, churches will be destroyed. Then a few months later, there'll be a wave of, of enhanced freedom. But there's never been a repentance for persecution in China. Let's talk about why that those waves come. I, one of the questions I have for you is uh, about Western influence, and how much does China care what the rest of the world thinks? Because you know, we have Chinese prisoners on prisoneralert.com. We encourage people to write letters to them, write letters to the Chinese officials on their behalf. But how much of a difference does that make with regards to China? It's all political. So it depends on the time of year and what's happening politically in the nation. If they're feeling especially strong, especially arrogant at the time, uh, they don't care too much about what we think. But most of the time, there are trade agreements in the process. There are different international agreements. China's trying to get more Asian countries to come alongside them. And so they will temper what they do relative to the world opinion. So I always think it's good for the world to speak up and tell the Chinese government what they really believe. What is your involvement in getting God's word into the hands of Chinese Christians? Well, when God called me to China, he prompted me to have a big vision. 
So the dream that I had was the song that the Lord gave to me was Dream Big. So I just decided we're going to try to send Bibles to every province, to every corner, to every person who doesn't have the Word of God. Now, I can tell you for sure, after the many years I've worked there, Bibles are a restricted commodity in mainland China. They are controlled. That's an important thing for people to understand because, you know, that's another sort of myth that we hear is, hey, you know, China has plenty of Bibles now. Uh, the government, the Amity Press prints Bibles. They have all they need. We don't need to deliver anymore. You're saying that's not true. That's just simply not true. Every month I have the great privilege through working with VOM. I have the great privilege of traveling around the country and talking to people in all 31 provinces. I talk to the church leaders of the largest churches in the nation, the largest underground churches. We call them house churches. We don't use the term underground. Uh, the smaller house church movements plus the three self-churches. So I talk to church leaders for every different type of church meeting there is in China. And I can tell you as a truth, the Bibles are restricted in mainland China and there are not enough available. What happens? I, I'm Brother Lee in a little house church out in, in one of the provinces, and I want to have a Bible. What do I do? What's the process that I have to go through either to get one legally or to get one from one of the networks like Voice of the Martyrs that's, that's distributing Bibles? Well, all of the major uh, three-self, or in other words, government-sponsored uh, three-self church churches, all of the major churches in the major cities are given a supply of Bibles from Amity Press every month. So if you are close to that church, somehow in the proximity of that church, you can just walk over and legally, openly, freely purchase a Bible. If you're 300 miles away in a small village and you don't know where to find the Bible, you just became a Christian, you don't know that's where you can find one. The only thing you know is there are no Bibles available in your city. Then there's no way to find a Bible. Maybe you can connect with a church where there's an older Christian who understands. So the breakdown is because in China, the, the Chinese government is trying to move the economy toward more of a free market style of, of, of economy. They're doing that with everything except Bibles. Bibles are still managed under a communist economic system. It's planned how many can be uh, printed, regardless of the number that are needed. It's planned how many can be printed, where they're going to go to, and there's no free access. If they want to get the Bible to the people, just open it up into a free market style and allow anyone who wants to sell a Bible to sell a Bible. You could go to Walmart and buy a Bible. You could go to your local, uh, any local shop and buy a Bible. Then there would be Bibles in every single corner in every small village of China. There would be some store that you could buy a Bible. They won't do it. They want to restrict it. Now, you might say, why do they want to restrict it? They want to restrict it because it is a stated policy of the Chinese government to, to hold back, to restrict the growth of religion. It is their stated policy. We want to stop religions from growing. Therefore, don't give the people ready access to Bibles. That is their stated philosophy, and that's what they're doing now. So they will not allow the free market to take control of buying and selling of Bibles. So it's very difficult. So let's say that I find my way to a city and I find my way into one of those three self-government-approved churches, uh, and I decide, you know what, there's, there's 50 people back in my village that would like a Bible. I'm going to buy 50 of them and take them back. What happens then? Well, it depends on what church you're at. It depends on what time of the month it is. It depends on how many 
Bibles that church um, received for the month. The first time I tried that, I walked in and I said, may I buy this Bible? They said, of course you can. I said, may I buy 10? Well, yeah, we can sell you 10. I said, okay, I've got some friends. My friend here wants to buy 100. They laughed at me. There's no <laughs> way we'll ever give you 100 Bibles. In addition to that, it's the style of Bible. There are many styles of Bible we have in America. There's NIV, there's King James, there's New King James. There are different footnotes in the Bibles. Those are all outlawed in China. Only a very small number of styles of Bible are permitted by law to be printed. Uh, I won't publicly say how many because I might be incorrect, but it's uh, you know fewer than six or seven different styles of Bibles. And basically, there's only one version, the Union version, with no footnotes that is legally sold. All the other Bibles are strictly against the law to print. So if you would uh, want any Bible other than that one Union version, and if you would want a Bible with footnotes, you would have to obtain that Bible illegally. And people go to prison in China for obtaining Bibles illegally. They go to prison. They're fined. The last one good friend of mine spent three years in prison away from his family simply for distributing illegal Bibles. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. How does that make you feel when your friend goes to prison for three years and you're you're helping with this ministry? I mean, you're you're putting people in harm's way. Do you ever lay awake at night and, and think about that and, and just wonder, Lord, uh, are we doing the right thing here? I never have because I've studied this for so many years and I've watched so many people pay a price for the advancement of the kingdom of God. But I do think we have to be honest with our coworkers. So the people I work with, I sit down with them once a year, the native Chinese people, and I say, you know, I love you and I, I love China. I think you're not going to have any problem. I think the Lord's going to protect us. But I want to know, will you be willing to spend three years in prison for the work that we do? So every one of our coworkers, I require that they answer to me one time every year, are you willing this year to risk three years away from your family in prison? So they do this, their own soul searching. They make the commitment. I say, if you're not willing to do that this year, we love you. You're a great man and woman of God. That doesn't matter. You can go and we'll give you another job to do, just not one where you're risking going to prison. And have you had people say, you know, my, my circumstances changed. My, I got married. My kids are a certain age. No, I'm not ready to go to jail this year. Have, have any people ever said that? No one who works on my staff has ever said that, but people who have wanted to work with me, when I told them they would have to answer the question, they decided not to work with me. Interesting. But that's what makes this work so wonderful is because um, there is – often we find more freedom in the local house churches than we had 10 years ago, and we're thankful for that. That happens because there are always new generations of people who are willing to count the cost and do whatever it takes with joy. So they don't go around talking about fear or depression or – the possibility of going to jail. They, they, they just, you know, when you bring it up, they just laugh. When you bring up something about the government or the police, they just laugh. They said, oh, it won't be any problem. They know it could be, but they don't live their life that way. They live their life in faith, mm -hmm. in love, with faith, with, with encouragement. And um, 
it's that kind of person that's changing the nation of China. That's why China is still experiencing revival. That's why China is changing from, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago. Most of the churches in the house church were grouped into very large church movements, very controlled from the top, and that was great for those days. But now young men and young women of God are raising up and starting their own local churches, trying new things, totally courageous. They're threatened by the police often. They're watched. They're followed. Sometimes they're taken downtown. Sometimes nothing happens to them at all. But the point is they don't care. They only care about doing the will of Christ for their life and preaching Jesus Christ to the people around them. And that's the kind of people that changes nations. That's why I have the best job in the world, by the way, <laughs> because I get to work with these great people every single day, even on a day that I might not be feeling well. I just get with these coworkers who are really risking their life for the gospel. And before long, I feel like I'm a big baby and I should be encouraged by their faith. How do they overcome that fear? Uh, because you know as well as I do, the Chinese government wants them to be afraid. They want them to be intimidated, uh, and yet, as you say, they're marching boldly forward without really worrying about it. Do they have fear and then they overcome it, or do they just somehow they don't have fear? They develop a certain optimism that is very even a little bit difficult for me to understand. I think it's the optimism that you have to develop to even live in a totalitarian society, even if you're not talking about spiritual work. You have to believe that things are going to get better. But they have faith to say, God told me we're winning this nation. Now, today it doesn't look very well because the police just visited me. You know, last week my friend went to prison for six months. But, you know, I really know it's going to get better because I have a promise from the Lord. We're going to be victorious. I have that promise from God. So there will be a few stumbles along the way. There's going to be a few people pay the price. But we know we're going to win this battle. And we're going to send Bibles to everybody who needs a Bible. We're going to find a way because the Lord is our victor. It seems like they worry much more about what the Bible says and what God says and much less about what the Chinese government says. They rarely think about what the Chinese government says. They're always thinking about what the Word of God says. They always are living in hope. Sometimes it scares me a little bit. Sometimes I set them down and I say, now, do you realize what we're doing here today? And do you realize that there's more risk? And they'll think and say, Hmm, yeah, well, yeah, that's right. We hadn't really thought about that. So we'll take this precaution. Now, are you ready to go yet? <laughs> <laughs> so in some ways, they're pushing you. Yes, yes. Their faith, <laughs> Come on. their faith always pulls me along. I'm just there as a catalyst, someone to be a, a helper for them to do the job that God has called them to do. And that person might be 80 years old, they might be 60, and they might be 19. So it doesn't matter what generation, but I can tell you this, it's not just the old people that have this faith. It's not just the old people who have endured the persecution. The young people are just as powerful, just as fiery, have just as much hope and faith as any generation. It seems pretty natural that a church full of those kind of people would grow. Uh, you're, you're not going to be able to stop it from growing. What does that do to your faith? I mean, you said they're kind of dragging you along sometimes. What, how, what are some of the lessons that you've learned from serving with them, serving alongside them? Well, the one lesson is that the gospel is the same in every nation. We try to contextualize the gospel from one culture to the next, but in the end, there's not really much contextualization needed. We all live by faith. We're all saved by grace. We all live by, by faith. 
And uh, this is just the way the gospel works. So I can look at that and I can take that, the stories that I have seen happen in mainland China, and I can come back to the United States or I go into any nation of the world that I travel in, and I can tell those stories and I know they relate. And everybody sitting, listening to me says, I get that. That rang a bell in my heart. I know what you're talking about. Share a, a story of, of somebody that, that's in your contact base that, that has experienced persecution and how they've responded or how they've bounced back from that. I have one friend who spent 16 years in prison, and I ask him how he got through that. And he just smiles, and he says, well, even they didn't give me a Bible in the last seven years. So I spent seven years with no Bible. I said, so what did you do? He said, I started a church in the prison. And he said, the day they released me, I was happy to be released. But he said, I cried when I had to say goodbye to my congregation in prison. The thing to understand about people who are faced with persecution is that it doesn't come uh, abruptly and it doesn't come as a surprise. God prepares the people who he permits to suffer for him. That's important to understand. You're not just a young, innocent Christian who gets blindsided by this. I, I don't know of one situation myself where that ever happened. But God prepares people over the years, and he chooses certain people to suffer for him. I don't understand that. I'm probably not supposed to understand it. That's just God's way of doing things. And so everyone I know who has suffered persecution they were prepared before it happened to them. So it wasn't devastating. Most of them didn't have to have a long process to bounce back. They were threatened when they came out of prison. They were threatened. If they, even if they didn't go to prison, they were threatened. And they just smiled and just kept preaching. I've already counted the cost. The price has already been paid. There's no question about what I'm going to do. I don't have to come out of prison and analyze, will I do this, will I do that? I just come out of prison and get in the pathway I was walking before I went to prison and just keep walking. Go back to work. Just go back to work. I like what you said about preparation because I think one of the questions that we ask as American Christians is, is how would we respond? Uh, because we kind of have that picture that suddenly we're going to be blindsided by persecution and it's going to be just completely out of left field. Uh, but what you're saying is, and maybe you don't see this at the time, maybe you only see that in in hindsight, oh yeah, God was preparing, God was working me up to that point. What are some of the ways that he kind of prepares these people so when they get arrested or when they go to jail, they are ready to stand strong? God puts other people in their life to be an example to them. So most people I know who have been under serious persecution, they already have a mentor or a hero, or at least they know a person that they've set under and they've watched their life of persecution. And they can say, it didn't destroy them. They came out victorious. God blessed them. If I'm supposed to pay that price, I can do that. We have heroes in every area of our life. And I think even you mentioned the United States. Often we, who are Americans, we reflect on, wow, what would happen if America came under persecution? And sometimes we have a negative analysis of that. But my personal opinion is, if Americans, if the American church were faced with the same issues of persecution, you would see the same heroes in our churches. 
people would stand up and not compromise. They would go to prison. They would lose their home. They would watch their home bulldozed like we've watched people's homes bulldozed in China. They would pay the price because it's the body of Christ really is the same in every nation. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on The Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. I love that you use the word heroes because I think that's such a key thing to understand that these are heroes uh, and the fact that you have heroes inspires you to do something, to to live the way they are living. And one of the great ministries I think that Voice of the Martyrs has here in the U.S. is giving people heroes, <laughs> you know, giving them these examples so that as we live our lives, we can look at somebody else and say, hey, they did it. I can do it too. Uh, they answered the call. I can answer the call as well. So uh, I love it that you use that word. Who, who are some of your heroes uh, in the Chinese church? Well, I probably shouldn't mention their name publicly. <laughs> it might not be good for their uh, reputation. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you this, that uh, some of them are famous people who are good, very close friends of mine who lead millions Others would be people like the 19-year-old young lady who worked in my office, in my business office. And one day we were talking about something relative to suffering for the faith, and she just broke out crying uncontrollably. I said, what's wrong? Did I say something wrong? She said, I remembered that the whole time I was growing up, my mom and dad were pastors, and the police were chasing them, and often they would run away for days, and we were left at home alone, my brother and I. She said, I remember when I was eight years old, nine years old, laying in bed at night, and the police would come and scratch on the windows and do things to bring fear into us. Two little children just tormented by the police. And this stayed with her her whole life to where occasionally she would just break down and weep because of the scars that were in her life, because of the persecution that she received as a young child. But she was working there in my office, willing to pay the price as a 19-year-old girl. Now, I would call her a hero. Absolutely. Absolutely. You've talked about how you have the conversation with your workers every year. Hey, uh, are you willing to keep doing this? Are you willing to go to prison if it comes to that? Uh, do you have that conversation with yourself as well and, and with your wife? And uh, okay, are we are we ready to go forward another year? We have that conversation every time I walk out the door to make a trip especially when we're going into areas where terrorists are operating and we know that there's some real, um, even though slight, there's some real possibility of being attacked by terrorists. But for us, you know, when you talk about it, it sounds way more profound than it really is. When I was 18 years old, and if there are any young people listening to me, I can tell you when I was 17, God started dealing with my heart about this. When I was 18, I was faced with the question, would you die for Jesus? And I had to take some time and pray through that when I was 18. And I settled the issue right there, what that would mean. Since that day, it's never been a big deal. That was settled way back then, all those years ago. If you're called to what, whatever ministry you're called to, whatever ministry, you have to ask yourself the question, am I willing to give the commitment that's necessary to fulfill what Christ has purposed in my life? And after you've reached that decision, after that, it's no big deal. But I will say this, that is why China is going to be a, in a constant state of revival, let me put it that way, because there are young people who are willing to do anything. 
they joyfully would give their life. They joyfully would stand in front of terrorists that are operating in the northwest of China. You can't stop a person who's willing to die for their cause. That's why no one will ever stop the preaching of the gospel in mainland China. That counting the cost and saying, I'll give everything, uh, as you say, that characterizes uh, the Chinese church that is growing so fast. Uh, hopefully it will characterize the American church as well, even though we're in a different setting, in a different situation. As our listeners are praying for the country of China, what are some things that they can pray for, that they can lift up? Well, we always need to pray about the political situation because it's God who raises up nations or brings down nations. It's God who sets people in authority for his purposes that we don't understand. All we know is that the Word of God commands us encourages us to pray for those who are ruling over us, those who are in authority over us. So pray for the leadership of China. Pray for the church of China, which is constantly being influenced by outsiders. Pray for their theological purity. Pray that they will continue in the pathway that they began to be a great church in the earth. And finally, pray for the world to understand that there is a huge need in China, still a huge need. So many people need the Word of God. So many different kinds of Bibles and teaching material need to be printed. You know, we talk about Bibles, but equally important are books like Tortured for Christ. Because people who have never, new Christians who have never thought about the need to commit to giving your life to the, for persecution or whatever, uh, people who have never thought about that need the hero that they find in the book of Torture for Christ in the man of Richard Wormbrand. So pray for us. Pray for all the workers who are trying to get Bibles, who are trying to get spiritual literature out to the people, and understand that there is, while you're praying, I want you to pray in faith. I want you to, when you're praying for China, also pray with thanksgiving that God has raised up so many people in the world who are giving their money for China who are giving their time for short-term missions trips, who are giving their life to be full-time missionaries, who are giving their time in their prayer closet to pray for the nation. You need to see this as a huge worldwide effort to bring the largest nation in the world into the knowledge of the gospel. And you need to pray by faith knowing that the job is getting done. Hundreds of thousands of people reading the Word of God who never held a Bible before in their life many who never saw a Bible in their life now have a Bible. They're reading the Bible because of those of you who listen to this radio broadcast, because of those of you who pray and give and make it possible for people like me to do our work. And every day that I wake up, I just say to the Lord, I have no idea why you honored me so much to let me do this. This is the greatest job in the world. And look at all these Americans who pray for me. And look at all these Americans who give for China. Look at all these Americans and, and Western Christians who love this nation. This is the greatest job in the world. We're succeeding in mainland China. Last year, the Voice of the Martyrs distributed more than one million Bibles and New Testaments in hostile and restricted nations, including mainland China. You can support this work by giving to the Bibles to Captive Nations Fund. Come to vomradio.net to find out more. Also at vomradio.net, you can listen to previous episodes of our program, share this interview with your friends, and submit a comment or a question to us. We would love to hear from you. That's vomradio.net. 
Thank you to Brother Joel for being our guest, and thank you for listening. I want to leave you with the promise of Isaiah 55, that my word shall not return void. Will you pray for God's blessing on VOM efforts to distribute Bibles into the world's most closed countries? We'll see you next time on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.